Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast powered by the Riot Report. Check it out now. I am Josh Klein, the managing editor of said Riot Report, sitting right about 80 degrees to my right-hand side here is the ringleader of the Roaring Riot. His name is Zach Luttrell. Say hi, Zach. What's up, everybody? Yes, excited to be back in the studio. Yeah, we did last week's over the internet, and it's not as fun getting in. You know, I get to sit right next to you and crack jokes and talking to the microphone for 30 minutes while we're not recording. That's, those are a few of my favorite things. You do. You enjoy, Zach enjoys freestyle rapping before the uh, before the podcast actually starts recording. One of these days, I'm going to record all that, and It'll it's going to be a treat be, for you all. It's going to be a sweet outtake for everyone. Uh, welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast. Uh, we try our best to break ourselves away from the emotions and the rawness of the game and and kind of break down the game a little bit more in depth and take a look at some of the issues that face the Carolina Panthers and whether they're good or bad and try to take a little bit of a, a more analytical, a little bit more of a measured approach to these things because the reality is, is when you trade Kelvin Benjamin, when Jonathan Stewart fumbles twice in his first four carries... It is what it is. It, it, it is. Yeah, it, it is what it is. He's Kelvin Benjamin is not walking back through that door. Those two fumbles are not coming back. So <laughs> let's not let's not cry over the spilled milk. Let's see how we can deal with those things because it is what it is, and it is not what it's not. Boom. Boomtown. That's it. how you do it. Got it. Catchphrase alert. I just slammed down my SD card holder in celebration. Of getting the catchphrase right, uh, Zach. Yes. I don't want to dominate the first ninety seconds of this thing too much. <laughs> Did you hear? That is actually Zach's ringtone. Yes, it is the Carolina Panthers fight song from nineteen ninety six. Hey, I just and, keep it real. And it is just as embarrassing <laughs> when it happens in the middle of Victoria's Secret as when it happens in the middle of recording the podcast. Uh, Zach. This weekend, Atlanta Falcons homecoming. Yeah. Fun, right? Hey, oh man, almost too much fun. Yeah, so these these home games tend to wear me out more than away games. So I don't know which to complain about most. But no, uh, <laughs> it was a uh, it was a ton of fun. You know, we we created this homecoming idea, and for those of you who don't know, it's just. We have a lot of members and a lot of other Panther fans who are outside the city of Charlotte. So the real concept behind homecoming is okay. Uh, let's pick one opposing fan best fan base that typically travels really well and let's get all of our members all the panther fans who might be able to make it back to charlotte for only one game each year to pick that game come back we'll call it homecoming we'll build a whole weekend full of events and uh, you know we'll just take a baby step into uh, protecting bank of america stadium versus one of those dominating fan bases so you know originally we wanted to do something with maybe the packers or the bills the dolphins uh, Eagles, you know, none of those games really worked out for various reasons. So the next best option, which actually ended up being a great option, uh, really was did. the uh, you know NFC South rival Atlanta Falcons. So um, we put together a whole weekend full of events and um, had a great turnout Saturday at Noda. Some people popped in. Noda was giving out some Roaring Riot koozies. Um, you know, a lot of people got to try the Roaring Riot Pale Ale for the first time. Yum. Um, we threw an event. We partnered with WFNZ and, and did a little um, night before event over at the doghouse and had a pretty good showing for that. And, you know, what I keep telling everybody is, you know, we're just kind of making this homecoming thing up, right? Homecoming doesn't exist in the NFL, but – for us, for our fan base, for you know, trying to grow and create culture and, and really expand on traditions, it takes you know, doing things like this to basically build the foundation for years to come. And people that came out Saturday night that left their house, came out, had some beers with us, and uh, you know, just talked football and had a good time, I mean, those are the people that are going to help us create this and, and build it for years to come. That's true. Uh, one of the things that we uh, we write right up at the top of – therightreport.com that's therightreport.com uh is change the culture right and you can't change the culture without having traditions and when you have traditions like homecoming which is a fantastic idea i know that when i used to be a panthers fan and lived outside of the charlotte area to be able to 
come back to have one specific game of like, ooh, I should make sure that I'm back for this Falcons game as opposed to I'm going to come in for the Vikings game. I'm going to whatever, whatever fits my schedule. It makes a uh, it just it's it's a great idea. And I kudos to you. Well, you know, and it helps, too, where if we're going to try to get people to come back, they're not just showing up on Sunday. They're actually walking into a full weekend of people who are local, other fans who have come in from out of town for this weekend as well, getting them together. So it gives them the opportunity to really experience what we produce on an away game trip, except here in Charlotte. So it's doing a few different things. I think it's a really cool idea. You know, we're thankful for the station for giving us the opportunity to do it over the doghouse, which I think is a really cool venue, big venue. Yeah. Plenty of room to grow and expand if we keep doing it over there and right next to the stadium. I mean, uh, you know, they've got the, all the tailgate games in the back. So they should probably serve liquor next year. I think yeah. that's that's something that we should probably really fight for because it was a little chilly out there. And yep. I'll tell you what, I would have loved a little whiskey drink to warm me bones. And I think that would probably help the crowd get a little turn turn hype. up, as Cam would say. Hype. Lit. Hype. Yeah. Yeah, it would help the sauce and the goo. We see it help on Sundays at the tailgate, that, that's for sure. That is 100% <laughs> true. That is a real fact. Uh, so one other thing before we actually start talking about football and if you're looking forward to some football talk uh after zach and i get done with our fantastic analysis of the atlanta falcons game stay tuned for a uh really nice interview that i had with taylor moten uh rookie offensive lineman for the panthers uh that's going to be near the end of this podcast so make sure you stay tuned for that and if you've made it this far that means you clearly are enjoying your podcast and you should probably rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, do it, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever they are. Any way that you get your podcast, go in there and give us five stars. And if you want to give us three stars, then uh, go F yourself. Do not give us a review <laughs> if you want to give us less than five stars. Uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about is you had the opportunity to do something really nice for one specific fan. And uh, I was hoping that you could talk about that just for a few minutes. We wrote about it on the riotreport.com. The Panthers did a fantastic tear jerking video about it. And uh, just kind of tell us what happened there. Sure. Well, um, earlier in the year, we had one of our members, um, a lady named Lynn, who is from our California chapter. She lives outside of LA. And I had the privilege of of meeting her in person last year when we were out for the Rams game. And you know, before meeting her, I'd interacted with her a lot on Twitter. And and uh, you know, meeting her in person was was just as great as she has the same personality that she does online. She's just super sweet lady. Loves the Panthers. Loves the community. Loves making friends online. And uh, you know, just just really was a joy to be around. So early in the year, um, her her um, excuse me, her husband unexpectedly passed away. Um, you know, and so naturally, it's just been a, a pretty tough year for her. And with all the support that she has from her Panther community and, and you know, through other Roaring Riot members and a group that, that the, the ladies have kind of created amongst themselves, they call themselves the Girl Gang. Hashtag Girl Gang. Hashtag Girl Gang. Um, you know, just a, she had a lot of people who were, who were reaching out to her and, and, and wanted to, to do something for her. So we just kind of channeled that and and thought a way that we could bring everybody together and, and spend time with her. And naturally, you can't fly hundreds of people out to Los Angeles, right? But it just made sense for us to kind of pull our resources together and um, and to bring Lynn out here to a game. So she had been to Charlotte. I think it was last year. They The, the girls, the ladies all went to a training camp together, but she'd never been to a game inside of Bank of America Stadium to see the Panthers. So, um, so that's what we did. You know, we just we put everything together, brought her out for a weekend, um, you know, I'd reached out to the, the Panthers a while back just to kind of give them a heads up of, of what we were doing. And, um, you know, of course, like I said, because of her, her personality and her presence online, and, you know, especially Twitter, they were certainly familiar with, with who she is and, and have interacted with her on their, on her, on their own uh, plenty of times. So um, they wanted to jump in and, and, and be a part of it. And so uh, Saturday, the Panthers organized a, a stadium tour uh, that had a little bit of twist to it. So um, I was actually the only one that, that knew fully what was going on. So that was kind of a tough secret to to keep. But, uh, you know, we did a stadium tour that culminated into Lynn walking into a, a studio where uh, Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart started playing the keyboards for her immediately. And then Fozzie busted out of the door and serenaded <laughs> her um, with uh, a rendition of Lean On Me. Uh, so it was, it was fantastic. I mean, um, 
you know, for those guys to, to give up their time on a Saturday to do that for her and for the Panthers to organize that and put that all together, I mean, it was it was certainly touching. And, uh, you know, my, my thing was uh, when, I, when I was talking to Lynn and Joan and some of the other ladies that were with us was, you know, it was really dusty in that studio when that started. They were cutting onions in there. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But uh, it was a great weekend. We, uh, we were able to, to get Lynn on the field, you know, and then the Panthers won. You know, we had a great homecoming weekend. We did all those fun things with the Panthers, and then they won the game, which is the most important, really, in the, the end of the day. Yeah, she, uh, you know, I, I know that you're not going to toot your own horn, but I'll, I'll toot for you a little bit. <laughs> the fact that you can, that, that you can go out there and, you know, basically give her an all expense paid trip in such a dark in such a light in a dark time is a is a real kudos to you and the roaring riot and and to the panthers themselves and she actually you know she echoed all of those things when i talked to her on saturday night she was just so happy and for somebody that that was going through such a terrible thing uh for her even to have a, a terrific weekend like that is it does it means the world so yeah, I mean, I think for us just to be able to give her the opportunity, you know, even if it was only for two and a half days to see that there's still love there and people that care about her. And, uh, you know, even if it, it just brought her to a happy place for that short period of time, then, uh, you know, I think mission accomplished for sure. Yeah, she said specifically, you know, I when I was going through this, I, I turned to, you know, the people that I love the most, and that was my Panthers family. And it was, you know, just to, to think about how, a fan base can grow like that and and have that kind of relationship uh is just it's unbelievable and uh it's great 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 to see her she was just she was such a delight i had only met her through twitter but then to meet her on saturday and sunday uh she she was fantastic and yeah and you know kudos you, you not not just to me obviously but there were a lot of people that that were involved in pulling that off and making that happen so you know thank you to everybody that participated and uh you know that was rewarding to for us just to see her smile and have a good time so yeah well, a lot of fun man speaking of smiling and having a good time let's talk julio jones was not smiling when he was face down in the end zone was it <laughs> no he when was were, when he was doing the julio hashtag do, do the julio yeah he was hashtagging <laughs> doing the julio so uh panthers win 20 to 17 obviously uh not the best panthers game that they've ever played in the in their franchise history right but a win is a win absolutely and uh i think that for me the game really turned on that third and one and then fourth and one in the second quarter right. where it was 10 nothing uh stewart had fumbled twice in the first quarter and uh they run tevin coleman into the line on third and one kk makes a fantastic stop mm. fourth and one they try to run devonta freeman ahead and uh i don't know if you've read the fourth and one don't even try it column that we wrote on uh the riot report.com that's the riot report.com uh but the panthers on fourth and one they just have faced a bunch of them this year it's weird yeah. they faced 10 in 2015 and 2016 combined and they stopped the opposition once out of 10 times wow and uh this year they've actually faced fourth and one seven times in nine games okay and they've stopped them on five. That's amazing. Yeah, it it really yeah. it legitimately is amazing. That started in San Francisco, and I remember you uh, you guys getting the quote from CJ right, who said that the defense takes that personally, right? Yeah, they said that that he said that he feels disrespected personally <laughs> when that when that offense stays on the field. I like that on though. any fourth down, and uh, and all of them said. I mean, it's just such a huge momentum turn when you can stop the other team on fourth down, and it doesn't go into the turnover column, but in reality, that's exactly what it is. And Did Coleman get that stop on fourth down? It was Coleman and Davis. Coleman kind of knifed in there okay. and uh, and shed a blocker and and put a first hit on there. And Davis was there too. But it's a uh, it's it's a real testament to the defense. And we say it all the time: when you can stop somebody, when you know exactly what they're going to do, it's uh you, they're they're preparing to get six inches, eight inches, a foot, and it's just mano a mano, yeah. eleven on eleven. Who can I mean, stop who? It's pretty close to a turnover, right? I mean, I know it's a turnover on downs, but um, it has essentially the same impact because you're taking over the possession at that point of the field. They don't get to punt. So. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's it's a huge play, and and it really did turn the uh, it turned the momentum of the game because it was ten nothing at that point. The Falcons really did look like world beaters. I, I thought that it was going to be that it was going to get away from the Panthers pretty quickly. Well, if, especially with the Panthers shooting themselves in the foot. 
Well, sure. I mean, when you turn the ball over twice in the first quarter, it's it's hard to win. And um, I don't know the stats on that, but I would assume <laughs> that they're pretty bad if you turn the ball over <laughs> twice in the first quarter. And uh, I was so worried that the 28 to 3 shirts that we made for everybody who was at the game with us was going to turn into 28 being Jonathan Stewart fumbles three times. Oh, man. I was going to have to turn it inside out or just take it off and leave it <laughs> in the stadium, which both of those are scary. I, I saw a lot of jokes when the Pan when the Falcons went up 3 nothing that it was like, oh, Panthers just spotting them three points so the Panthers <laughs> can beat them 28-3. But it was a little closer than that. But right. it was, uh, you know, they turned them over with, I think it was 435 left in the, in the first half, and then they scored two touchdowns within the next two minutes. Right. So, um... I'm sorry, that's not true. They scored two touchdowns before the end of the half. So the two touchdowns they scored in the last two minutes of that half, the only time in franchise history that the Panthers have scored twice in the last two minutes of a half. Well, that's a fun a fact. That is a fun fact. Huh. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're not, to follow Panther Stat Guy on Twitter. Uh, his name is Will. He actually works for the Panthers, and he is fantastic. A lot of sweet nugs in there. A lot of juicy nugs. What's his handle? Following him now. Panthers stat guy. Pay attention to the podcast. Don't go on Twitter right now. I know what's going to happen. You're going to be caught up. You're going to be like, oh, hey, the McRib is back. And oh, I'm so excited. Oh, hey, did you see National Sandwich Day? And uh, I think that once the once the Panthers had kind of gone ahead, they were up 14-10 at halftime, five, uh, six and oh now when leading at halftime. And uh, it they Cam starts playing with that emotion. He gets the crowd behind him. He even said in the press conference after the game that when the team plays with confidence and with emotion, they're just that much better. It's true. Yeah, I, I think that that does make a big difference. And, and it sounds like he also recognizes that that starts with him. I mean, Absolutely. it's so true on the field and just, you know, physically through those plays, but also, you know, emotionally, the team, everything runs through Cam. So, I mean, he has to be the one that ignites that. And it was good to see when they were down 10 nothing, where – they could have easily packed it in, you know, two big fumbles by Stu. Um, you know, Cam was there to lift them up, and he was still engaged on the sideline and, and inside the game, too, inside the field. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Stewart, uh, he had a bad game. And the reality is, is he's kind of had a bad season, he right? It. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about Jonathan Stewart? Are you... Well, I know what a lot of our fans think about Jonathan Stewart, you know, and, and that's kind of the angle that we take on this podcast. And um, it feels like a lot of people are ready to see Stu move to the bench, you know, especially with McCaffrey having probably arguably his best game, right, uh, of the yeah. season from a running perspective. And uh, Cap showing some flashes and the very few limited opportunities that he's gotten. I mean, I think those two fumbles in the first quarter were kind of the icing on the cake, and people are ready to see Stu move to the bench. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of boos coming from the Bank of America crowd. See, at I once. couldn't tell if those were for Stu or if those were our Shula's play, play, play calling. I felt like it was more the latter. Were you? I, were they saying Stu or <laughs> they weren't Shula? Saying Stu. They weren't no, saying they either weren't one doing of those. either one of those things. No. Uh, I. It's an interesting question. I don't know that Jonathan Stewart is ready to be benched, but I do think that it's maybe time for him to take a a background role to Christian McCaffrey. I think that the reality is is that you are going to when you have two running backs with opposing styles, I, I think that you have to have both of them getting carries. And just because the Jonathan Stewart carries into the middle are not gaining six yards a pop they're still doing something because play action doesn't work unless you run the ball. So, McCaff I mean, uh, Stu only had 21 offensive snaps. Yeah, I think that did have a lot. I do think that had something to do with the fumble. Yeah. Uh, I also think it had something to do with the fact that McCaffrey was just very successful. He also had uh, – McCaffrey had his highest percentage of the snap this season. I think he was on the field for, what, 85% of the – 83%, something like that. I think it was 53 plays, 82% of the plays, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a lot. And they're they're experimenting with getting more speed on the field, right? That's what they've been saying when they traded Kelvin Benjamin. They want more speed on the field. That's what I heard. And Jonathan Stewart is probably not that speed to get on the field. Right. So the trade of kelvin benjamin did that was that the reason why mccaffrey had his best game how, how did how did getting the speed on the field you know with a with the, the trade of kelvin benjamin and the the adjustment of the wide receivers how did that actually turn out on sunday so i think that 
it, the proof is in the pudding, right? So they wanted to, they traded Calvin Benjamin. One of the reasons why they said that they traded him was to, they were facing a ton of eight and nine man boxes and they wanted to kind of open up the middle of the field. They wanted to open up that running game. And when you have a guy like Calvin Benjamin, who's probably not going to run a route past 18, 20, 20 yards, makes it a lot easier for where the safeties can go. But then when you have three guys lined up in trips that are Curtis Samuel, Kalen Clay, and uh, Russell Shepard, you don't know which way is going to go. You don't know where you, – you don't expect those guys to all run stop routes or all run go routes. You can't, you can't put a finger on exactly what's going to happen. So you have to take a couple steps back. You have to be on your heels a little bit, and that does, in effect, open up the run game. I don't think it's a coincidence that the first week that Kelvin Benjamin is not on the field – the Panthers rush for over 200 yards. Even though 86 of those came from Cam? That still counts. Yeah, no, he, I, yeah. I, trust me, I'm, I don't argue the other side of that. I agree with that. But, I mean, what, Cam got 10 carries that game, right? I mean, it seems like he, what, the last couple of games, he's, they've been upping his number of rushes. Is that correct? I, I think so. And I think that what that comes from is that Cam Newton is their best rusher and has been for the last six years i mean certainly in short yardage but then he's just such a dual threat that you have to you know let the lion roar a little bit and <laughs> you want to you have to do whatever it is the best play that you have to gain a first down that's what you do and if that's running cam newton then i think that's running cam newton well it's not only his ability to to run the football you know which he does do well but it's just the threat of having cam run which affects the offense affects the defense so much more when you know he's gonna stay in the pocket and that he's not gonna to look to run like most of 2016 then you can play him totally different but when cam's running and when cam's getting 86 yards and when he's breaking off these huge chunks like he did against the falcons then certainly, you know, the, that, the, the defense has to adjust what they're doing. Well, you talk about those, you talk about Cam running and, and changing the defense and, and adjusting what they're doing. So the most egregious example or the best example of that is in the read option, right? So if Cam Newton is going to not hand the ball to Christian McCaffrey and run, then the next time that they run that read option, that linebacker has to pause for just a second or defensive end or whoever's on the end of that line. Right. And that gives a little bit more of a, an open space for either Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Stewart or whoever's going to run. Also those naked bootlegs that he ran. That is, there's a great article on the riot report.com <laughs> uh, from, from Vincent who wrote that, you know, when you, when you run a huge variety of run plays, some that go outside, some that go inside, you have misdirection, you have things like that. It makes it that much harder for the defensive end, for the linebacker to commit. And when he does commit, if he commits the wrong way, that's how you end up with big plays. When, right. that, when that linebacker crashes down because he knows that McCaffrey is going to be running on third and one, but it actually turns out to be Newton rolling out the other way on the naked bootleg, that's how you get uh, Newton running for 34 yards. Right. Yeah. Those. Uh, <laughs> there weren't. There weren't a lot of people complaining about Shula after this game, though, were there? No. No. It's true. I, it, it's one of those things. It's like the offensive coordinator when they, when they have a a good game, the offensive coordinator is great. When they have a bad game, he's terrible. And you know the reality is that Shula has been calling kind of the same, the same game plan, the same offense for the past five six however long he's been there and it's not changing what is changing is the execution sometimes and the defense i mean he he is opening it up a little bit more i mean you saw a fair amount of reverses and trick plays and they almost ran kind of a statue of liberty at one point right um but i think that the reality is, is when your guys are executing it, it makes a big difference. So with the type of run plays that they are putting into the game plan and, and the, you know, the, the misdirection, I don't want to say trick plays, but, you know, certainly more timing stuff. I mean, does that kind of correlate with Stu's snaps being reduced and potentially moving away from just that power that they've, they've typically run in the past or historically? I think it does. For me, the thing with Jonathan Stewart is that do you want to – are the people that are on the bench Stewart – bandwagon 
are they do they want Cameron Artis Payne to get his snaps or do they just want him to get no do they not want anybody to get those snaps they just want McCaffrey out there for 90 percent I think from what I've been able to tell they don't want Stu to have them but I think there's a good number of people that want Cap to get them instead yeah I, I would be but I like you know. said before you still have to run the ball up the middle you still have to do that yeah the oh absolutely I think the thing with Cap for me is that he is he's not a rookie he's not like a sixth round pick that you're like we got to get a look on we got to get eyes on this guy and see what he can do he's been in the league for five years now and he he has gotten carries maybe not five three years three years three years his third year so he has gotten carries when Stewart has been out the past two seasons it's been the Cameron Arts Payne show and in 15 for sure I don't know that he was really lighting up the world at that point Right. I mean, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering, but um, great word. Uh, I agree. I'm I'm terrific at English, but <laughs> I don't think that Kimmerer's pain has been fantastic. I think that. Well, he had a great preseason. So you couple the you know what fans have seen of him, which I get it. It's only in the preseason with Stu underperforming and then a two fumble game. You know, there's your superhero uh, narrative. Yeah. Well, there's he, your replacement. Preseason, you can kind of throw out the window because he he's playing in the third. He's playing in the fourth quarter. He's not he's not playing against NFL caliber starting defenses. And the reality is, is this guy is 2015. He was four yards a rush, four yards a rush last year. I mean, I, it's three of not, those is a first down. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not particularly impressed with what I you know like, eh. Like it's not if he was if he was like you got to get this guy on the field if he's Kareem Hunt out there every time he's on the field. Well, what's Stu's yard per carry uh, this year? Uh, well, no, not well. This year it is not good. I can tell you that this year Cameron Artis Payne's yard per carry is two point two. Okay. So let's Stu's, look at Stu's probably the same, I would guess. Yeah. Well, uh, McCaffrey's not that great, even though he averaged uh, what you, just over just four, over yeah. four a game. But then you bring in he probably should have averaged over five. Uh, but then there was that last driver. They weren't really trying to pick up a first down. They were just trying to run out the clock. Uh, this year, Jonathan Stewart is at 2.9 yards per carry. Okay. But FYI, the last two years, he was at 4.1 and 3.8, which is exactly where Cameron Artis Payne is. So I just don't think that Cameron Artis Payne is that much of a an upgrade of Jonathan Stewart. But you have said that you think McCaffrey should now start getting more of those carries. So you feel like there should be a tilt in the, the number of snaps but they should go to McCaffrey, not Stu, not not Cap replacing Stu necessarily. I don't think Cap should replace Stu. That's what I'm saying. I think that if you're going to give those carries to somebody, I would rather they go to Jonathan Stewart. And McCaffrey is getting plenty of touches, plenty of playtime. I just think that what they're doing right now, I don't think that Cameron Earth Payne is going to be a huge upgrade for them. That's all I'm saying. I'm not ready to... I'm not ready to see Stu go to the bench. I mean, I, I agree. agree. It's It's been a tough year. You can make all kinds of excuses for why they haven't run the ball well, and, and certainly he's been a victim of that. But Stu doesn't have fumbleitis. He doesn't have history of, of having no. problems fumbling. So, yeah, two in the first quarter, you know, that's that's certainly tough. But I, don't, I just don't see this being a trend with Stu. It's never been. The guy pretty much fumbles three times a year, right? That's that's Good, what so he's been doing out of his the entire way. year. Yeah, exactly. He's been doing that his entire career. He just had two back to back. And yeah. if he, you know what, if he fumbles again on Monday night, I think then it's a whole different conversation. I would but agree. Until that starts happening, I, I just don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. And those fumbles, if you look at them, I mean, those were good plays by the defense. Um, and and it was when Stu's trying to get some extra yards when he's got two or three guys hanging on him. You know, again, not not making an excuse. He's got to hang on to the ball, but you know, he's not just carelessly dropping the ball as he's as he's bursting through the line. It's Stu being what you know who he is and what he does. And you know, obviously, it's easier to say because we got the win, and it certainly didn't feel good in the first quarter. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to let those go. I, I think Stu should still be on the field. For the sure. other thing with Jonathan Stewart is that he has he has struggled as the offensive line, as the entire run game has struggled. It hasn't been Jonathan Stewart struggles and Cameron Harris Payne comes in and has one carry for 20 yards and Chris right. McCaffrey's tearing up the world. Exactly. It's everybody has struggled and Stewart has, for all of his maligned and struggled, you know, week three averaged four, four and a three quarters. Week five, average four point eight six carry. You know, like he's he's kind of the same Jonathan Stewart, 
He just hasn't the offensive line. I don't think has been there for him. Well, I'm excited not to not to look ahead, but to see how they run against the Dolphins because the Dolphins have a pretty decent run defense this year, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I just remember because my fantasy running back last <laughs> week it was a not a favorable matchup versus the Dolphins. So. There you go. That's that's all that counts. <laughs> that's and, all. I, and I do think that sometimes people can get caught up in the fantasy world of like, oh, Jonathan Stewart he stinks on fantasy. Oh, I, that's and in. In reality, he is still an NFL caliber running back, and I don't think that it's time to move on from Jonathan Stewart because of these two fumbles. So, segueing over to the the defense, the defensive side of the ball from the Falcons game, um, you know, like you said, they started out looking pretty hot. They being the Falcons, I mean, I felt mm-hmm. like Freeman was running pretty well. Uh, you know, they were certainly moving the ball pretty well. That that catch that Julio had, and and with three Panthers draped all over him, I couldn't believe that. Ridiculous. Um, you know, but ultimately the Panthers end up shutting him down. Really, I mean, you know, some amazing plays, but I felt like they clamped down, and and you know they were really tough to tough to score on, obviously. But um, uh. And they're currently number one in the league. Did you see that? Yeah, number one defense, baby. Right. Uh, I think that, yeah, they deserve to be the number one defense. Nobody, You can't run the ball on this Carolina Panthers team. Like, it is terrifying for opposing offenses. You just you be, you turn the other team into a one-dimensional team, and that is how you win, basically. You can't – I mean, they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher. They've shut down uh, Devonta Freeman, Jordan Howard – Tariq Cohen, like they've, they've, well, Tariq Cohen had a big 70 yard catch, but, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of shut down running back after running back after running back. And it's just been, I mean, the way they're playing up front is spectacular. And I think that this is what you are going to have to lean on in order to win. Is this the kind of defense that can take you to the Super Bowl? I think it is. Yeah, it feels like it. So, I know we kind of joked about it in the opening about uh, you know Julio's big drop. He had uh, that big drop and what another o- overthrow by Ryan. Right. Th- those two p- plays were potentially backbreakers, huge plays. So you know, h- how do we feel about that? Well, I mean, it's it kind of it is what it is. You know, that's what <laughs> that's that's what football is, right? Yeah. Is sometimes they overthrow a wide open guy. I know Cam Newton does it a pretty fair amount. Sure. Uh, and. Sometimes Dixon was wide open. Yeah, he sure was. Wow. Curtis Samuel was wide open too on a corner route that that Cam was just looking the other way. And uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't really. They didn't really highlight it on TV, but it was one of those where they had three guys in trips and Samuel broke out to the left. And by the time Cam uh, had had already looked away, mm. and yeah, sometimes Matt Ryan has not been great on his deep ball this year, and uh, and he showed it again uh, on Sunday. And I think that. You know, sometimes it's sometimes it's Ted Ginn making those drops. Sometimes it's Kelvin Benjamin making those drops. Sometimes it's Curtis Samuel not being able to pull in those long passes. And sometimes it's the best receiver in the league that's, dropping a wide-open touchdown on fourth down. Or sometimes it's Zay Jones, right? And that, That's actually uh, a big part of, of what I say about teams being successful in the league. It's in the best way I can describe it. It's just the way the ball bounces. Those things have to go your way. And if you look at 2015 when the Panthers had a 15-1 season, you know, it was – it was the receivers dropping the easy passes or, you know, the ball bouncing into the Panthers' hands, you know, when they recovered a fumble. It's things like that that happen that are really the, the small differences between winning and losing in the NFL. Well, it's like we look at which way – you're absolutely right. It's which way the luck bounces, and then it's like, is that – was were Panthers fans complaining about how unlucky they were that, that Kelvin Benjamin slant – popped out of his hands and straight up into the air and into the hands of a Chicago bear who happened to be running full speed in the other direction. (laughs) Or when Jonathan Stewart dropped a swing pass that bounced into a Philadelphia Eagles hands, who was was laying on the the ground. ground. Like sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it goes the other way. And this time it happened to go the Panthers way. And you know that you have to take advantage of those kind of mistakes and win the game. And the Panthers did. Yeah. So I, I think that, if you want to if you want to use the Julio Jones being open and dropping a touchdown as an example of why the Panthers defense is not good, I'm just not on that bandwagon. I'm not on that train. Yeah. The the Panthers defense is what is going to make this team successful. They they scored two touchdowns yesterday and both of them were essentially off of turnovers. And that's how you 
if if this offense has to be a caretaker offense and put up 23 points when the defense is limiting opposing offenses to 17 then that's that's how you go out and get a win yeah well uh, here's a question for you can Jay Cutler beat the Panthers looking ahead to the Dolphins? Can uh, he beat the Panthers' defense? He can smoke a bunch of cigs. I know that. <laughs> he's got a good <laughs> butt, according to his wife. Yeah, no, he's the best. Is she going to be here? That's the most important question, actually. There was a picture. Oh, KC? Yeah. I don't know. Probably. Um, we need to get her to the tailgate Monday night. All right. Send her a tweet. I know you're it. on Twitter right now. Yep. Um, I think that, uh, by the way, just before we actually talk about football, there was a picture of Jay Cutler walking into the Monday night game uh, last week or the last last night were they on monday night or sunday night right whatever they were on and uh and he literally was like wearing like wearing like a button-up short sleeve shirt and he like he just looked like a traveling businessman that was just like where's the bar (laughs) i am ready get me a whiskey and sprite like he seems like that kind of guy that like drinks a like a hard liquor drink but not not like too hard of a drink you know what i'm saying yeah, he cuts it with a nice little citrusy soda. Oh, man. He's like, definitely a lime guy. Oh, yes. He loves that lime. He's like, do you guys have any Fresco back there? I'd love a... Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll take a slice. Then. Yeah, give me give me a rum and orange juice. <laughs> Something that you just wouldn't expect. But, I, then, but then he probably drinks nine of them, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the big dog likes to get drunk. That is for sure. I think that Jay Cutler and this Dolphins offense, I actually... Funnily enough, I was texting with Vincent Richardson, who's one of our analysts on theriotreport.com, and he, I was like, hey, like, will you take a look at this Dolphins offense going ahead to next week? And he sends me a text back that says, they are not good. <laughs> that was that, that was all, well, they, that's his analysis. Well, they lost their running back. They, well, they didn't really they lose They gave them. away their running yeah, back. Uh, it's, I, I think that they have talented receivers. I think that Jay Cutler can put the ball where he needs to, but I think that overall... The Panthers' defense should be able to do do what they need to do uh, on Monday night under the big lights. And I do think that the Miami defense is going to give the Panthers problems. That, yeah. That's going to be more of an issue. I'd, if you're well, that's if, not a bold statement at all. No, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> if you're a uh, if you're a gambling man, you might want to look at the under on this type of situation. <laughs> but I think that it's going to be their defensive line is pretty strong. You know, you have a guy like Indominus Sue. I think that the Panthers' offense is going to need to play, continue to play the way that they played in Atlanta. I think you're going to have to use all of your weapons. And I think that is, that's kind of one of the reasons why they traded Kelvin Benjamin is so that all of their weapons could be fully utilized instead of using Christian McCaffrey to 70% of what he can do instead of using Curtis Samuel for... Uh, for here and there it's like let's use these guys to all of their capabilities right and i think that that is that's what they did and they also i I was watching i have not gotten a chance to actually research this but every time that i noticed that kalen clay was on the field he was running a go route every time that i saw him on the field he was running straight down the field right and that is how you use speed to take pressure off of the rest of your offense even if you're going to throw it to him and you throw it to him once and then you have a weird offensive pass interference flag get picked up because the pass was uncatchable which i've literally never seen before (laughs) and uh and that is how you that's exactly that is the that is the very dummies guide to spread it taking the top off the defense putting a fast guy out there and have him run straight down the field you take a guy out of the defense if you send a guy with him every time. Well, it was also nice to see Devin step up in that in that role, in Kelvin's role. I mean, uh, what do you have, five for 86, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it's season high, not surprisingly. Yeah, and, and a couple good um, you know, yards after the catch as well, too, which those are things that you wouldn't necessarily see from Kelvin. I mean, he'd make the spectacular catch and usually you know, get tackled immediately because there wasn't a lot of separation. But right. it was nice to actually see Devin make that catch, those catches, and – um, you know, run a little bit afterwards. Well, on that, on that, I think we're thinking of the same play. I think it was 24, 25 yards. What happened was they sent three guys deep, and they just had Devin Funches yeah. run across the middle. That is again using that speed to open up the offense. That's sure. exactly that's a that's another that's a Madden style play of I'm going to send everybody else deep and hope that my guy 
I'm looking at the I'm looking at the X receiver, and I say X because I'm going to hit the X button to throw it to him, not because that's the football terminology for it. <laughs> and that's who I'm going to look at, and I'm going to hope that he has either uh, one-on-one coverage or they're in zone. And if they're in zone, that's a that's that's easy money right there, and that's exactly what happened. Right. Well, I'm excited to have. I would call this kind of a mini buy, right? Because we get uh, we get the weekend off, which is nice. And uh, this weekend, I'm going to be a huge Kelvin Benjamin fan. Yes, I'm yes. A, there was a guy at the game. I saw actually Jeremy Iago post the picture of a 13 Benjamin jersey for the Buffalo Bills already. Oh yeah, they're already out there. That I mean, guy, if you're a Benjamin fan, there's no reason to stop liking. But are you a right Benjamin now. fan? Or are you a Bills fan living in Charlotte, which is probably what it really is? And going to the Panthers Falcons game? Yeah, and let me show. Oh, I guess they you were on Thursday Panther night. fans, exactly. Let yeah, me, that's let me, fair. Let me rub some salt in these wounds, Panther fans. Look nah, at me. Well, it seems like Kelvin Benjamin rubs a lot of salt in his steaks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, He's let's... not on the team anymore, so I can make fun of him. Yeah. But, well, uh, again, big fan of his this weekend. I hope he comes out and tears up. Absolutely. I ho- honestly, I hope that he's very successful in Buffalo. Sure. Not that successful, but uh, I, I think that... Why not? I, I think he's going to be good. Well, because if he goes out there and, and catches 800 yards every week, it's going to look... Uh, it's gonna look like we did not. Yeah, get but it doesn't him, change the fact that he wasn't right for the team, right? Would now, you so. say that it is what it is? It no is. matter what Kelvin Benjamin does up there, it exactly. is what it is. It is what it is. What a fantastic way to close out the show. Make sure you stay tuned. Right after this music is gonna be a terrific interview with Taylor Moten, where he I talks you about say a, a terrific hip hop recite. Rec- what? Exactly. Did you have a stroke? That sounded like my freestyle, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Taylor Moten, he talks about uh, what his transition's been like moving here in Charlotte, um, a little bit about Western Michigan. He talks about where the running game is different this week and, and what's happening, and uh, he's just an overall great guy, and uh, we were lucky to sit down and talk to him for a few minutes about Call of Duty and football. So... Uh, For me, Josh Klein, Zach Luttrell, thank you for listening. Uh, Check it out now. Yeah. I won't rap after I stuttered there a second ago. (laughs) Joining us now on the It Is What It Is podcast, uh, right tackle, right guard, left tackle, offensive lineman. Taylor Moten. Uh, Taylor, how's it going? It's going well. Victory know. Monday? Absolutely. It doesn't get much better than that. You guys have the afternoon off. I'm keeping you from playing Call of Duty right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you said everybody on the team got got one? Yep, uh, everyone on the on the active roster there. Activision just sent it to everybody. I think I think it was around, all around the NFL. I talked to some of my other buddies that got them too. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big Call of Duty fan. So I was pretty excited when I got that present. Nice. Are you a PS4 guy or a... Or Xbox? Um, they sent this one for PS4, so I guess I'm a PS4 guy as of right now. At least I'm done with the game. So do you have both? I do. Nice. Yeah. Which one do you prefer? I think the, the Xbox One because, you know, I, I like watching a lot of Netflix too. Okay. I got the 4K on it for yeah. the Xbox, so that's why normally my Xbox is plugged in. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what what else do you like to play? Your Madden guy and a two K guy? Oh uh, yeah, I'm normally a big two K two K guy, and um, you know, Madden a little bit, especially early during the season. And then it's so normally I play Madden until the next two K comes out. And um, uh, Assassin's Creed, that's another good one. That new a few one, other is... guys, yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. So there's, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of good good games out there. There's a lot of chatter in the locker room when the new when two K comes out when. Absolutely. Any new game comes out. Who's the uh, who's the biggest trash talker video game wise? Um, uh, there's there's a lot of people up for debate on that, <laughs> you know. So it, it's tough to pinpoint one guy at the moment. <laughs> um, so we'll talk talk about football a little bit. Uh, yesterday, um, you got your biggest uh, play time from a percentage wise uh, on the field. How are you kind of growing into your role um, on the team right now? Just take it one day at a time, you know, trust the process, listen to Coach Massel, Coach Brown, and two, you know, our line coaches. They know what they're talking about, so I'll just listen to them, and they'll, I know they'll, they'll help me get right. So, you know, I mean, I, that's all I, That's all I can do is control what I control, and that's doing my job whenever they, you know, I have the opportunity to be on the field. What's the, what's the adjustment from 
college, Western Michigan, to here in the NFL, like that first snap, is there a bit, is there a palpable difference or is it just football? I mean, you know, like it's still a hundred yard field. You know, that hasn't changed. The goalposts are the same, but you know, obviously the talent in the NFL is, is different from what I saw in college. And you know, obviously now it's it's really a job, so a lot more is demanded from everybody. You know, so that that's probably some of the biggest differences. But you know, as the season's gone on, I've gotten more and more accustomed to it. And you know, I've got a lot of great guys in the locker room helping me. You know, teaching me how to really be a pro. So, and so what do the what do they tell you when they teach you how to be a pro? Um, it's more not not telling me as much as it's showing me. So just being a, like. Watching how Trey Turner, Andrew Norwell, Ryan Khalil, Matt Khalil, Daryl, you know, started that. Just watch how they work, you know, how they, uh, how they carry themselves, how they go about their business on a week by week basis. You know what they do to be successful. So I try to, you know, learn from them. So for three hundred pound offensive lineman, what's a, what's a day look like eating wise for you? Um. You know, like they they feed us here the breakfast and lunch, so that's really convenient. And you, you kind of get your healthy choice, stuff. Right? Yeah, well, it, you know, you don't have like a meal today, but it's always something really good. And um, I see a lot of smoothies really healthy. walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always have a nice little juice bar there that you can hook up your own smoothie with, and normally after workout, do that, make a little like protein shake or something. How are you kind of uh, adjusting to southern food? It's good. I, I'm, I'm making a great, great adjustment to it, so that's pretty awesome. And yeah, I got family down here, so they, they'll cook for me whenever I need a home-cooked meal, so that's really convenient. And um, the barbecue here is pretty amazing. Anywhere in particular you want to throw a shout-out to? Um, oh, this is a lot of good uh, <laughs> barbecue places. None, none really come come to mind right now. But All right, I won't, I won't put you now. too much on the spot. <laughs> so, uh you so you mentioned your family from here. Uh, it's Gastonia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, what's it? You know, how did how was the feeling like when you get your name called to come to Charlotte when you already have these these ties? Um, kind of walk me through that. It's pretty nice to have um, people that I know like have my back down here. I mean, they're all in my draft parties, but like a lot of my family that's down here, in Gastonia. So, I think you know it's really a blessing, and you know, all my fam like family on my mom's side is all from here. And you know my like my late grandfather's from here, and um, you know he's really my role model growing up. So, you know a lot of people tell me that he thinks they has he has something to do with me being back down here. You know, so I'm I'm a pretty spiritual guy, so I think there's something to that, and I, I, it's really a blessing to be here. You know, around the family I got down here in Gastonia, and just really just the awesome locker room here, just the people that I'm around. So I really do feel blessed to be here. So it's like uh, you have your your true family, and then your football family is kind of. Absolutely. That's yeah. About it. Um, so home game last night, seventy three thousand, I think, something like that. It's a little bit bigger than Waldo Stadium, right? Yeah, yeah. What, uh, double and some, I think. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the what's the home what's the home game like tailgate scene like in West, at Western Michigan? Um. I mean, you were not tailgating, obviously. Yeah, I wasn't but like, tailgating, but so really, the amount of what I see from tailgates, I think, is after a game, and I'm checking like. You know my Snapchat. I'm looking on Instagram and just right. seeing what they what they had going on from like you know non-football friends. I mean, but it looked like it's pretty packed. I think except for like our last year, because our last year we were, you know we we had a really good season, you know undefeated regular season. Everyone was coming to games. Before that, normally people would just like come to the tailgates and then just would like forget about the game or not care about <laughs> the game, just go on with their business, do something else. So really, Weston was more about the tailgate than it was the actual game for a little while there. Yeah, that can happen in the yeah. NFL too. I know it's not that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Maybe not, I don't think it's as much as Panthers because from what I've been told, we got a sellout. You know, just about every, you know every week. So I think that's pretty awesome. I think it's like 180 really in a row, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, you know, it's a great, great, com- great football community out here for sure. How's the football community treated you? Like people, they see you on the street. Do they recognize you? Do they come up and say hi? Uh, just sometimes, not as often. Some people just look at me, think, you know, you're oh, you're a big guy. You know, you must play football. And they ask me about it. So that's probably what I get more than anything. A lot of uh, yeah, I I I used to get that too. I'm not a huge guy, but people, oh, you look like you might have played football. It's like no, no, I, I just like to eat. I don't like that. There actually. you go. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what do you think? You guys had a lot of success in the run in the run game yesterday. Well, from an offensive line standpoint, do you think it's the guys just gelling together or 
what what's happening that made last night or yesterday different than kind of the struggles of the past few weeks? I think you know just we've always been trusting process and just playing one heartbeat. I think as an offensive line, that's what they've they've, they've done really well. You know, week in week out, they just get better and better, and I think it clicked extra last week just with the like the numbers that we produced, obviously. So I think the game's more than just stats, especially. You know, that's up. But, um, you know, numbers don't lie. We, we did run the ball really efficiently. And, um, you know, credit to, you know, Stu and McCaffrey, the offensive line, the tight ends, wide receivers blocking out there. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's more than just one person for sure, I think. I think it's a, it's a whole team. It's, I think it's a whole team effort when you get rushing stats like we did last week. So, is there a you know when you have a guy like like Jonathan Stewart has a couple fumbles right in the first quarter? It, are you the kind of person that like goes up and talks to him, or you know it, does he does he want to be alone when something bad like that happens? Yeah, Stu's someone who knows how to bounce back from adversity just by watching how he plays and watching how he works. You know, so I think that no one was too worried about him about the fumbles. You know, I knew he was going to bounce back and. You know, just get after like he did. So, so this rookie class, uh, McCaffrey, Curtis, you like it's kind of a big kind of young, talented core coming up. As you have the veterans, it's a real mix of like age and youth here on the Panthers. So you feel like there's, it's kind of melded together well as far as the roster construction. Yeah, I think the team chemistry is really well. You know. And, you know, obviously, this is the only NFL locker room I've been a part of my first year. But seeing what it's, you know, from well, as far as I know, I think it's really, really, really clicking really well. And chemistry is where it's supposed to be. You know, I feel like it's a real family type of atmosphere in the locker room. So Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll let you uh, get home to Call of Duty. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'll get your gamer tag afterwards. All right. Uh, Sounds good. Try not to get killed, all right? <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Appreciate it.